0: We're going to begin, actually, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24 today, and we're going to begin, before we pray, by reading um, the first eight verses. And then we're going to go on a journey on the road to Emmaus. But let's read these first eight verses first. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning... They came unto the sepulchre, bringing spices, which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre, and they entered in, and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid, and bowed their faces to the earth, They said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for the promise of the resurrection. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that if Christ be not raised, our faith is in vain. But Paul followed that up by saying, but now indeed is Christ risen from the dead. And because he is risen, so will we one day. We praise you for this in Jesus' name, the risen Savior. Amen. Amen. Alright, well, if you'll um, go down a few more verses with me to uh, Luke 24, verse 13, we will begin. And this um, sermon, I just titled, Walking with the Risen Lord, the Emmaus Journey. And we're going to look at four different things that Jesus did for the disciples on the Emmaus Road. And the first one, if you're taking notes, is that Jesus drew near to them. Let's look at... Luke twenty four thirteen to sixteen, <clears throat> and behold, two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were holden that they should not. Know him. And I have always found this interesting, this, this story interesting. I, it's one of my favorite resurrection stories because it showed that Jesus didn't just rise again and leave us. He wanted to make sure that we knew He had risen from the dead, that He appeared to people. It says that at one point He appeared to 500 people. Thus, leaving an eyewitness testimony of his work and his finished work, not just the beginning of the story. When I think about this, I often think about the Roman centurion. And my prayer and my hope is that perhaps he was one of those 500. (coughs) Because what did he say when Jesus died on the cross? He said, Truly, this was the Son of God. But perhaps. And my, my greatest desire is that he was able to see the hope that not only was he the Son of God, but he is the Son of God. Present tense. And he will be the Son of God, future tense. The Bible says in Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I just love this picture of Jesus drawing near and going with them. Because he says to us today, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. And as Seth was saying toward the end of the breaking of bread, he wants to know us. He wants to walk with us. And so, may we rejoice in the fact that Jesus draws near to us today because of what Calvary accomplished He had that time on the cross when God had to turn his face away and Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But God forsook Jesus on Calvary so that the Emmaus Road could happen. So that Jesus could draw near to these imperfect people and be with them. May we look, by way of cross-reference on this first point, at Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. Matthew 18, verse 20. If somebody has it, they can read it. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there and there. Okay. This, again, another promise from Jesus Christ that He would be with us. He is here this morning. He has heard our praises and I think He's been pleased because His name has been lifted up. He's been proclaimed to be the risen lord that he is you know sometimes people say that facebook is a great time waster and it can be but you know what one of my favorite mornings to get on facebook is easter morning because over and over in my news feed i saw these words he is risen And sometimes it can be discouraging to think that we're all alone in this battle, that we're the only ones who are following the Lord. But isn't it great to know that there are many millions of people throughout the world who have not yet bowed their knee to Baal, who are serving the true and living God. What a wonderful blessing and what a wonderful privilege it is to be counted among them, not because of what I have done, but because of what He has done for me. And this last verse, it says, but their eyes were holding that they should not know Him. I don't know why their eyes were holding, but I know that God has a plan. And instead of just coming out and saying, I'm Christ, look at me, fear not. Or even saying their names as He did with Mary outside the tomb he wanted to hear from them what they were going through and so he says this in verse 17 and that's the second point I want to make this morning not only did he draw near to them not only did he care to be with them but he listened to them so the second point is that Jesus listened to them and for that we're going to Luke 24:17 to 24 let's continue reading And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? He was sensitive to the fact that they were sad. The Bible says in Isaiah that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. So he knew what it was like to be sad. And he was sensitive to the sadness of these people. And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast thou not known these things which are come to pass in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be crucified, condemned to death, and have crucified him. But we trusted that it it would have been him that had redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things take place. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher, and found it even so... As the woman had said, but him they saw not. And I consider this one of the great ironic statements of the entire scriptures. Because they said this, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast thou not known the things which have come to pass there in those days? I thank God today that because Jesus knows what happened in those days, I never have to fully know. Jesus knew what happened in those days more than any of us will ever know. Because it was in, those, in that time when He died on the cross that He took the sin of the entire world upon His shoulders. And because of that sin, God could not look on Him as we said earlier. So, not only is this a crazy question because of what Jesus went through physically, but because of the the spiritual significance of what happened. But again, Jesus shows His patience. And He doesn't say, Can't you see that I am He? No, He doesn't. He He says unto them, What things? Because again, He wants communion with us. He wants to be in a relationship with us, not a one-way street. A two-way relationship. <coughs> and being the infinite Almighty God, He's able to have a one-on-one relationship with each and every person who comes to Him by faith. And they said to Him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it would have been him which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, this is the third day since these things were done. Remember what Jesus had said to his followers. He said on the third day, I will rise again. And we just read in the first part of um, Luke chapter 24... That the women who were at the tomb had heard this message as well. Because it says after they heard from the angels, what? They remember His words. And then I always think about this part too. But we trusted that it had been He which should have redeemed Israel. Well, I remember when Jesus was on trial. And it was either Jesus or Barabbas. And they said, release to us Barabbas. And Pilate said, what about Jesus? And, he, and the people said, his blood be on us and on our children. Not realizing that, it, that, but that that is the only way that he could have redeemed Israel. Or the world for that matter. Is that his blood is on us. As we sang in that hymn a few minutes ago, ours the cross, the grave, the skies. Not only did he take the punishment, but he gave us the reward that he so richly deserved. It's the greatest gift that has ever been given. Because not only did we not get what we did deserve, but we got Infinitely more than we do deserve. Could somebody read first Peter chapter one verses eighteen and nineteen? For as much as we as you know, that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, and as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of the Lamb, without blemish and without spot. So this spotless Lamb did save Israel. He did save the whole world because He was able to put aside what He could have rightfully claimed. It says that He could have called twelve legions of angels to destroy the world and to get Him off the cross, to not even have made Him go to the cross. But yet His love for us made Him go to the cross. And so, first Jesus drew near to them. Then He listened to them And this third one, Jesus taught them. Jesus taught them. Luke 24, 25 says this, Then He said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? And beginning at Moses, And all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I would have loved to hear that sermon. I have often thought that uh, I need to get better at preaching the gospel from the Old Testament. Because obviously, Paul preached the gospel from the Old Testament, the New Testament was not around yet. Obviously, Jesus did because it says He did right here. Obviously, John the Baptist did. So we need to be better students of our Old Testament. But can you imagine Jesus Himself is preaching all the things concerning Himself. And I find it interesting how it specifically says, beginning at Moses, He preached Himself. Why is it so interesting? Because... What do the Pharisees always say? We follow Moses. Moses is our leader. But they don't realize that in Genesis chapter 3, God outlines the demise of evil and sin in the world, even in the beginning stages. He says, I have a plan for how Jesus will conquer the devil. And Moses wrote it down. So Jesus, the Redeemer, was even in the pages of the first few books of the Bible. And the Pharisees missed it. They also said to Jesus, we're not in bondage to anyone. Ironically being that they had been in bondage to Egypt. Then they were in bondage at that very time that Jesus was speaking to Rome. Who did they go to to crucify Jesus? They went to the Roman authorities. Why? Because they didn't have authority to kill Jesus. So they could say all they wanted that they were not in bondage, but they should have understood more than most people what it meant to truly be in bondage. And I... I kind of look at this and I'm I'm like, well, Jesus made peace for us, but the first words out of his mouth to these emmaus believers is oh fools. But I'm reminded of the fact that it says in Proverbs, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. The kisses of an enemy are deceitful. People say, Jesus would not Jesus says, Don't judge. But Jesus himself actually said, for judgment and it might come into the world. It's only when you realize the great judgment that we are under without Christ that you can realize the great love we have with Christ. Why does love win? Now, that's a common phrase. Love wins. Love wins because Jesus took all of our sin on the cross and he conquered it He didn't die on the cross. I was watching the Passion of the Christ this past Good Friday again. And as I watched him walking down the road and being beaten over and over again, and being ridiculed, and being spit upon, I just thought of the fact that Jesus did not die on that cross or rise again so that we could live a normal life. He did it so we could live a new life in him. A life that wasn't possible without Him. Hebrews 12.2, if someone could read that. We know it by heart, but I think it's good to to read it from the Bible so that we make sure that we realize where it comes from. Hebrews 12.2, if somebody could read that or quote it to us, that would be great the of the of our faith who the joy forth cross the the shame that is set down on the right hand of the throne of God you know sometimes christians well-meaning christians will say things like i don't think god wants christians to suffer but our lord jesus christ suffered for us And he had a joy in that, that because he suffered for us, we would be with him. Because he suffered for us, he's now seated at the right hand of God, interceding for us. Even now he's praying for us. And so the thing that we need to realize is that if Jesus suffered, how can we expect not to suffer? And Jesus is outlining all of this to Cleopas and his traveling companion. All the scriptures concerning himself. I don't know how long this conversation took place, but it says all the scriptures. So it it probably was a pretty long conversation. But it must have been so amazing to hear the Word from the Word. Not only was he expounding the Scriptures to them, he wrote the Scriptures. How amazing. So not only did Jesus draw near to them, not only did Jesus listen to them, not only did Jesus teach them but our fourth point is that Jesus fellowshipped with them. Jesus fellowshipped with them. Luke 24:28 to35 read as follows. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. but they constrained with, they constrained him saying, "Abide with us, for it is toward evening." And the day is spent, and he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it, and brake it, and gave it unto them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us, while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour, and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is indeed, the Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared unto Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how that he was made known to them in the breaking of bread. There's a couple of good points here, but Another good point about Jesus wanting to be with us and wanting us to be with him is this. And as they drew nigh, verse 28, unto the village whither they went, he made as he would have gone further. Jesus doesn't presume upon somebody that they want him around. But he does say, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And I will sup with him and he with me. We we use that often as an evangelistic verse, and it is a very good evangelistic verse, but it was written to believers. It was written to remind us of the need to have personal, one-on-one communication with the Lord Jesus Christ through God the Father. You know, this is, this, is a, this is an analogy, okay? So it's not perfect. But I often think of the sacrifices that were made for our country so that we could get out and vote. So that we could have a right to choose who our leaders would be, and yet even on presidential elections, we see only about a 50% turnout of eligible voters. And how much more is it that God, through Jesus Christ, paved the way for us to have personal one-on-one communication with God, and yet we don't take full advantage of it the way we should? We need to be praying more fervently. We need to stand for truth. Even when people say it's unchristian. I shared a photo yesterday of Jesus clearing the temple. And it said this, and I think it's so true, that if Jesus came to Western civilization in the 21st century and did something like that, they would tell him that it wasn't a Christian thing to do. (coughs) Because we think of Christianity and following Christ as just warm fuzzies. But the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter Were bold. They didn't mince words. Peter didn't say, Oh, if I get up and preach, they're gonna put me in prison. No, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he said, the one that you crucified, God has made Lord in Christ. This was this was the same man who just a few weeks earlier had said, I do not know this man. But he wasn't the same man. Why? Because now he had the Holy Spirit of God in him. And he knew that God had a plan, and he was able, through God, to deliver this great sermon. And it says in Acts chapter 4, a few chapters later, that knowing these were unlearned men, the the leaders marveled. But it also says this, it says they knew that they had been with Jesus. We know in our heads that we serve a risen Lord, but do we live our lives as if we serve a risen Lord? People want to say, well, Jesus didn't really mean that. He didn't really say that. It's not really that important on any variety of texts in the Word of God. But if Jesus is risen, if He lives today, then the words that He said are for today. And He hasn't rescinded them. He said, I am not a man that I should lie. And then He was made known to them in the breaking of bread. You know, it it talks in several places where Jesus broke bread and blessed it. He gave us this example. This is one of the reasons why we pray for our food. Because we saw Jesus do it. And He gave it to them and their eyes were opened. I think of Paul on the road to Damascus. How he went blind because of that blinding light. How he spent three days in prayer and fasting. And then God sent Ananias and... Ananias laid his hand on Paul's eyes and the scales fell off and Paul was able to see. But more so than the scales of his eyes were the scales of his heart. For this man who was hardened against the church of Jesus Christ became now one of its greatest ambassadors. Paul said it this way. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ who lives within me. In the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the one who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, each of these four things that we've talked about this morning, that he did for the people on the road to Emmaus, he wants to do for you. He wants to draw near to you. The Bible says in James, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Jesus listened to them. He wants to listen to you. We read earlier, where two or three are gathered in His name, there He is in the midst. He wants to teach you. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our teacher that will guide us into all truth. He left us His Word so that we can read it. So that we can know it. So that we can know Him. Paul said, And this is eternal life, that I may know Him. He wants to fellowship with you. We sang that song, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. In that song it says that we are joint heirs with Jesus. So my question to you is, are you a joint heir with Jesus? Have you been passed from death to life? Because on this day, on this Resurrection Sunday, what could be a better way to spend it? Than to have life through Jesus Christ. Than to be able to say as was said in John chapter 11. Him that believeth in me though he were dead yet shall he live. And you know we also say I am he that liveth. That liveth and was dead. And behold I'm alive forevermore. There's great significance in that. There are a lot of people, well, a handful of people anyway, in the Bible that were raised from the dead. I think of the widow's son that Elijah raised. And a couple of other instances, like the widow of Nain, who Jesus stopped the funeral and touched the boy and the boy rose. Can you imagine being at a funeral, getting ready to bury this guy and Jesus touches him, and he rises up, and he's alive. And he's not just alive, he's well. Think of the little girl who was raised from death. I think of Lazarus. You know, it's pretty significant that Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Why? Because who, there's no telling how many people might have come forth if he just said, Come forth. But he called Lazarus by name. And he said, Come forth. And Lazarus did. But for each of those people, they will die again. Or they did die again. Because those are the constraints of physical life after the fall. But Jesus said, I am he that liveth, that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Jesus rose to die no more. And I praise God for that today. I want to share, as I close, this story. The British minister, W.E. Sangster, who, by the way, um, stumbled into an English Sunday school when he was a kid, and that's what led him to the throne of grace. But it says he began to lose his voice and mobility in the mid-1950s. He had a disease that caused progressive muscular atrophy. He recognized the end was near, so he threw himself into writing and praying. In the midst of his suffering, he pleaded, Let me stay in the struggle, Lord. I don't mind if I can no longer be a general, but just give me a regiment to lead. Sangster's voice eventually failed him completely, and his legs became useless. On Easter morning, just a few weeks before his death, he took a pen and shakily wrote his daughter a letter. In it, he said, it is terrible to wake up on Easter morning and have no voice with which to shout, He is risen. But it would be still more terrible to have a voice and not wish to shout. In just a few minutes, I would like to end with number 183 in the Red Book. Christ return but before that I want to ask you are you able to shout with joy this morning he is risen if you're not maybe it's time to do do business with God at the throne of grace to call upon him while you still can to ask him to take over your life because he said I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And my prayer is that you will have this life. I'm going to close in prayer and then hopefully uh, we can sing number 183 in the Red Book as we dismiss. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your promises. We thank you for drawing near to these on the road to Emmaus. For showing them who you were, and then showing them that you were indeed alive forevermore. We praise you for what you alone could do. We praise you that when we were yet without strength, you died for the ungodly. And we pray all this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. Amen. Amen.